All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Hey everybody, welcome to Second City Church online. My name is Cole, I'm associate pastor here. And I'm excited to talk to you today for just a couple of minutes as we continue our series in Genesis, looking at the life of Abraham and Isaac and how God uses them as an example for you and I, how he wants us to thrive through faith. And so today, the focus point for today's message is God uses treaties and tests so that you can thrive. Okay, I'll say it again. God uses treaties and tests so that you can thrive thrive. He wants us to not put our trust in treaties. He doesn't want us to uh, fail the tests, but he does want us to thrive. And he uses both of these things, treaties and tests, to display our heart, give us an opportunity to have faith and to thrive eternally instead of just temporary. And so today we're going to look at Genesis 21, 22 through 34, and look at the treaty that uh, was set up between Abraham and Abimelech. And then we're going to look at Genesis 22, 1 through 19, which is the very well-known verse where the man of faith is called by God to actually give back the promise uh, that he had worked so hard in faith to obtain. So guys, let's first jump into Genesis 21, 22 through 34 and see what God has to say to us today. Um, Genesis 21, 22 34. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. So let's, let's just stop right there for just a second. Um, I don't know if you remember from last week, but at that time meant that Isaac, the son, which was promised, had just been weaned and they had a celebration, so they're on a high. But also Abraham was commanded to put away Ishmael and to let him go on the path that God has for him. Uh, so Abraham's in a very precarious place uh, right now. He's celebratory about, okay, I see God's promise coming come to fulfillment, but I just had to put away Ishmael, who was already so much further along. He, had, he was, you know, weaned way before now. He's, you know, a teenager. Um, I can see it more clearly with Ishmael. And so you can see where he can maybe place his trust in the flesh, but he's trying now. He's like, okay, I put all my eggs in this one basket, with Isaac, and I gotta believe that God's gonna get him to this place and even further because he said that this is the way. And so this is a time of opportunity for Abimelech and Phicol, the commander, uh, which Abimelech was the king of Gerar, which is where they were staying at the time, to come in and try to play on that. And that's just what the devil does with us when we're in a moment of weakness, right? Where there's an easier path to the thriving, the prosperity, uh, that that we won't, and even that that was that was promised, even though the timing is usually different and the way that it looks is different. Uh, that's when the enemy comes in, and sometimes people are just used by the enemy. Sometimes it's straight up the enemy, or our flesh is weak, even though the spirit is strong, and uh, that that's when the tempting and the attacks come. So so here we go. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of the army, said to Abraham, "God is with you in all that you do." <laughs> Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, but as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. Okay, 
So when we're living by faith, when we're pressing in hard, crucifying the flesh, wanting to see all that God wants to accomplish, not just for our lives, but remember the promise that was given to Abraham, right? Your offspring will be a blessing to all the nations. All the nations will be blessed by him. When we're doing that and we're having some some success, people in authority, people in power, and we're talking about a king right here, begin to notice and they begin to come in and say, okay, let me, let me harness this. Let me see how I can put this to use in my own kingdom or for the safety of my people. So they're not willing to come under the promise of God, but they want to coexist with the promise of God and they're going to play on that. And so what we see here is he's buttering Abraham up in order to get him uh, to, uh, uh, to the place that they want them. It says, and Abraham said, I will swear. Now, the good news about this and the truth is that when we're living for God, when we're abiding in Christ, we're doing things God's way, all that he's commanded us to do, the word says that he will make our enemies to be at peace with us, okay? So that's a great thing. But there's a difference between peace and prosperity, right? There's a difference between uh, eternal peace and just coexisting, right? And so that's what kind of what we see here. And then it says, when Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water, like a testing of the peace. Okay, well, how tight are we then? Are we spiritually united or are we just united over a common goal? Like, I want to live in this land, you want to live in this land, but you notice I have favor from God. So, um, so this is tested when Abraham brings something up that's not right. Um, when Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who's done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So, you know, the ideal for peace is that it's not retroactive. Okay, yes, we should go back and make things right. But when we're in relationship with somebody, if, if we're truly loving each other the way that God has wanted us to love, we will be proactive in seeking peace, right? Wanting to do things right, wanting to manage and monitor um, to, uh, to see people not only coexist, but to actually grow in the things of God. So Abraham here is being proactive, right? Um, showing him what's wrong, and it, and it tests him. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Abraham said, seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? He said, these seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Okay, guys, so what we see here is that Abraham comes to the conclusion, okay, there's, there's um, a surface-level peace that God has given us, right? And God would do that so that his promises can move in the direction that they need to go, in the fulfillment, the momentum of promise, I think as Pastor Rollins said, uh, the other day. Um, he'll give us that peace to have that, that momentum. But Abraham, I think, is realizing here, and God wants us to come to this place where we're able to discern the difference between a surface-level peace but then a spiritual unity that is going in the same direction uh, of, of, uh, of Christ, of God's kingdom coming upon the earth and, and getting ready for that. And Abraham realizes it isn't there. And so he knows that if they're not there, he needs to have a tangible um, witness. He basically needs to pay for this land, for this well, and he needs to contract there for people um, to uh, agree with that. And so therefore, he, he wants to pay for it as a witness. 
Therefore, that place was called Beersheba, because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Okay, so we're going to look at that for just a moment. So once Abimelech and once Phicol, you know, got, got what they wanted, they got Abraham to pay them for this, uh, they just, they went back. The ultimate goal, if we're having true peace, spiritual union, if we're thriving in that, is that we would actually share life together. We wouldn't just go get our needs met and then go our opposite ways. We wouldn't have a contractual relationship. We would have a love relationship, a like relationship, where we like to be with each other. We're looking for, for ways to actually show hospitality to one another. We're looking at ways to organize our schedule so that we can be with the people of God that we're spiritually connected to, um, so that we can worship Him in spirit and truth. And so if our soul is desiring those things, we will um, make way for those things to happen. But instead, Abimelech and Phicol, they, they leave, they go back to their own kingdom instead of uh, being a part of the kingdom that God was building in its infancy stages. So Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. So we see that Abraham planted a well, right? He needed to have that flowing, living water so he's not just relying on the rain, right? This is a source of life, physical life that's going on. And now he's planting in the same place a tamarisk tree, right? This is the fruit of life. These are two living memorials, places of worship where he can remember God's promise. And also it's a reminder that this is, this is not all. My, my, my faith is not in the treaties and the peace that I have with the world, right? Because they can change at any moment. My faith is in the treaty, the covenant with God, not the covenant with Abimelech, not the covenant with man. And this was a reminder for him. And I thought it was neat that the modern-day city of Beersheba in Israel is called Beersheba, spelled a little bit differently, but it's the southernmost border of Israel. It's the largest city in the Negev desert region there. It's the second largest city in Israel by, by size, meaning landmass, and I think it's the fourth or the eighth, I'm sorry, city in population-wise in Israel. And it's also the tech center now starting to build up that industry for cybersecurity, treaties, right, peace, etc. So what was done many, 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 many years ago, right, thousands of years ago, a well was dug, right? Now God is using that, and now we want to bring the gospel into that. Okay, guys, so those are the first things there. Now we're going to move on to Genesis 22, 1 through 19. So, so we don't put our faith in treaties with man, but in the covenants with God, right? When he gives us peace, right? Um, and then number two, we're going to look at the tests. So Genesis 22, 1 through 19. After these things, God tested Abraham, okay? So after Abraham's at a place of peace now, uh, everything seems right in the world. <laughs> As we say, oh, well, that's when the test comes. When you think there's smooth waters, that's when the storm comes up on you, right? So Abraham's at peace. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Okay, so here's the thing, too. When we're in the place of peace, the reason God gives us that peace 
He gives us the peace with Christ. He gives us the treaty, so to speak, the covenant, so that we can be in a place of being able to hear him clearly, right? Where we can respond quickly. It's the peace is so that we can prosper in him. And so he says, Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am. Abraham's about to get blindsided here. This is not what Abraham was expecting God was about to say. God says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Oh my goodness. We see the progress that Abraham has made. He's left his home and his family. He's gone to a place that God's promised to give him but hasn't given him yet, right? His barren wife finally had a son, but he had to put away uh, another uh, another son, right, for the plans that God had for him. So that wasn't as expected. And now he thinks things are going well, and God says, hey, I'm going to test you. Will you give this promise back to me? Will you trust in me as the giver of promises? And ultimately, will you trust me as the fulfiller of promises as well? So this was the ultimate test that we're going to see in Abraham's life anyway. And so Abraham rose early in the morning. Oh my gosh, guys. I know if I would have received this word from the Lord, this is a difficult word. I mean, today we would have said, uh, you know, that, that was definitely not God, right? We have the information now that he didn't have then where God has said that he does not want human sacrifice. So we know that's a hard stop, right? But in terms of the hard things that God does speak to us that feel like blessings for him that we have to give up, today if God said, hey, I want you to give this, I want you to give this up, I have something else for you, or this is so that I could show my glory. Will you trust me with it? Man, if, if we're trying to be spiritual, we're like, oh, I need to fast and pray about that for you know a day, three days a week. I need to seek all kinds of wise counsel. I'm not sure about this. But let's see what Abraham did. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Wow, that is faith that I want to emulate. Even when God speaks something hard, I'm not trying to wiggle my way, <laughs> wiggle my way out of it. Like, okay, God, you can do all things. You are great. You're good too. Okay, I don't understand it, but I'm going to prepare for it. That's where, that's where God wants us to be. Uh, that is a sign of spiritual maturity and when I say spiritual maturity, I'm talking about somebody that, that knows God uh, because God has shown himself to them. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. I don't just wanna, don't want to be a mature Christian. No, 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 no. I just want to know God. I want to be with him where he's at. I want to know his heart. And that's ultimately what we're talking about here. And he cut the wood. Oh, sorry. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Mm, on the third day. Does that sound familiar, guys? How many days was Jesus in the tomb? Three days. So because Abraham had already settled in his heart by faith that he was going to trust God with this, in his heart, Isaac was already dead for three days on that three-day journey because he already knew what he was going to do and was already committed to it, right? This is the mountain-moving faith that Jesus was talking about, Okay. Then Abraham said to his young men, 
stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. So even though God had called him to a place of sacrifice, he saw it as a place of worship. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. Ah, guys, this just reminds me too of the heart of compassion that our Heavenly Father has. This reminds me that when God was showing his compassion, even to Ishmael with bread and water and giving him the promise. Now here's Abraham getting ready to go out with his son. And Abraham's an old man, right? And he's walking beside him, talking with him, helping him. Yes, Isaac carried the wood, right? Symbolizing that Christ would carry the cross for us. But he's with him uh, all along the way. They're together, the scripture says. And then Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. So as a spiritual leader, we want to be ones who impart faith to the people that we're around. As a father, of course, to our children, as a mother to our children, but also to those that the Lord has just placed in your life to be a witness to. We always want to be talking about how God does the impossible, how God raises the dead, and how we're going to be together the whole way, no matter how hard it is, and we're going to do this together. So they went, both of them together, when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. The interesting thing here is that there's no mention of Isaac struggling. He was old enough to go on this trip, three days journey, right, on donkey. He was old enough to carry this firewood as well. He was old enough to understand there's no sacrifice. You know, Dad, what's gonna, what are we going to sacrifice? And yet there's no mention of the struggle. Could it have just not been mentioned? Yes. But could there be a relational dynamic between Isaac and his father? that he just distrusted his father, like no matter what, could be. Um, then Abraham, uh, then Abraham uh, reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Okay, guys, so some things we, we want to point out there. Just like when Abraham heard the call of God to go and sacrifice his son, God calls Abraham. Abraham says, here I am. Now, Abraham's committed to this, coming down with the knife, and God says, Abraham, Abraham emphasizing it so that Abraham would stop because he was so committed to doing this. What, what does that mean for you and I living by faith? If we would have a thriving, vibrant faith is that when God speaks, we obey, we're committed to it. And even if we're wrong or God is doing something else, he will get our attention. You can put all your eggs in that one basket of faith and God's promises. You can go wholeheartedly, full force and not worry about tripping. 
God will take care of us. He will even make us hear his voice. The question is, do we have a history of faith and hearing his voice so that he can speak and we can obey quickly like Abraham did, which saved his son's life, so to speak, in that moment. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. And so what we see here, guys, is that when we're willing to give back the promise and not live for what we think the promise is going to accomplish, but we say, God, you're the promise giver, and if you want to use my sacrifice in order to do something that is more glorious than I can imagine, which for here, you know, to be blessed, we obviously know that that means that God would one day send his son through this lineage, then God will do even greater things than we can think or imagine if we'll just surrender to him. And so some other things here, just some one-liners you can take with you. Delayed obedience is disobedience. When God speaks, we need to move. That, the, the, the times are, are urgent that we live in, right? There are lost people around us all around that need to know the living Christ. And so delayed obedience is disobedience. But when we obey, quickly, God will use it to do marvelous things. And so do you hear God's voice clearly and quickly so much that God could use you to save a life or to share the gospel with the person beside you? That's the place where we want to get, is that we hear and obey quickly. And one of the questions I wrote down here, um, which I know I've had and others have had too, does God still test people today? And the answer is, yes, he does, because he wants to thrive you eternally. If there is no testing, there is no thriving. What do you mean? Okay, so James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials or tests of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But here's what you know. God tests, but he doesn't tempt. He tests so that you can thrive. He doesn't tempt so that you can fall, right? And that's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Conviction is a test that will you trust me. Condemnation is a trip that you will fall and fail. And that's what the devil does. And that's not what God does. James 1, 12 through 17 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial or testing. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It's from our Heavenly Father, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So that means we can trust God when he tests us. Now, what has God promised you that he may be withholding because he can't trust you with it yet? All right, that's a good question to ask. 
We have to remember we are not owners. We're just stewards of God's resources. And the bigger the test of stewardship, like we saw with Abraham and the, and the stewardship of Isaac, the bigger the test of stewardship, the bigger the blessing for us and the whole world. Now let's see, last thing, and then we're going to wrap up. What does the New Testament say about this whole incident with Abraham and Isaac? Well, Hebrews 11, 17-19 says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac. It wasn't willpower. That Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Friends, your faith isn't just about you. Your faith is to be passed on so that the next generation might grow and continue in their faith as well. Not just faith in Jesus, but the faith to live by faith, knowing that your faith will be rewarded in this life and in the one to come. Now, guys, we're out of time, but I want you to go read Mark 14, 32 through 42. And that is the greatest test of all time. This is where Isaac's descendant, the promised one, who was born of a virgin, right? Fully God, fully man. And his name is Jesus Christ. He lived the perfect life that you and I should have lived, but we've all failed the test, right? We've all given in to sin and temptation and doubt, but Jesus didn't. Why? Because he's fully God and fully man by the power of the Spirit. He lived that perfect life for you and for me, right? And then... He went to the cross, but before he went to the cross, he passed the greatest test in the garden in Gethsemane, which means the place of crushing. The word says that he sweated blood. He invited others to come in and to stand with him, but they failed. So he was standing by himself with this choice to make. Am I going to go through with the sacrifice, the same one that Abraham had to make, except this was for himself? And he did it. And did God raise the dead? Yes, God raised the dead. So three days later, he raised Jesus from the dead, proving that our sins were forgiven if we trust in him and that there's new resurrection life for all of eternity for those who abide in him and trust him until he returns. And so, friends, I want to invite you today to stop trusting in the world's treaties and to begin passing the test of faith as you remember how Jesus passed the test for you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for passing the test for us, for overcoming sin. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life. You chose in that garden through the anguish, through the sweat, the tears, the turmoil. You overcame Satan in that garden. And you went to the cross. You gave your life. And then three days later, God did raise you from the dead. And now you're seated at his right hand, ruling and reigning and interceding for those who trust you. And God, I pray today for all those who say, uh, I'm tired of these treaties of the world that let me down. And I want to pass the test of faith. I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, will you feel them right now, Lord, as they repent from their sin and say, this is not the way. Jesus is the way. And they trust in you. Lord, will you start that new walk with them as you have promised today? God, as you do, I pray that you fill them, Lord, and that you would help them get knit into your body now, that they can walk as new people with a new family, on the road to a new destination to heaven itself with the Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, friends, please click the link uh, about new life. We'd love to connect with you and help you get started on this. And now let's go back praising the one who passed the test for us, Jesus Christ. 
We're going to continue to talk about these things in our community groups this week. So if you've not yet found an option, please do visit our website where you can see both in-person and virtual options that might work for you. Please do also consider how you might share this link with others who need to be strengthened by the grace of God. And think about how you might invite those same people to our service next week so that they might meet the living God in our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be praying for you this week, so let us know how we can be standing with you. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you soon.